Thank you for listening to Crossroads Community Church of Jefferson Hills. At Crossroads, our mission is to be the church by sharing and showing the love of Christ and inviting others to be recipients of Christ's love. Now, here is this week's message from Pastor Floyd Hughes. Uh, we're continuing in a, <laughs> in a series, uh, walking through the book of 1 Corinthians. Um, and as we continue through this series, it's important to remember that Paul wrote this to Christians. He isn't trying to communicate to non-Christ followers. Uh, all of what he's writing is to Christians because uh, he's focusing on, he isn't telling people who don't know Christ how they should live. He's encouraging people who do know Christ to be the church. In other words, here's what you need to do. Here's how you can interact. Here's how you can overcome some of the trials and the struggles. Uh, so we're going to jump right in because we spent a good amount of time last week just kind of talking about the background and who he wrote it to and why, we, why he wrote it. Uh, so we're going to jump right in and kind of pick up where we left off. So if you have a Bible, uh, pull it out and open to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. If you don't have one, there's one under the chair in front of you, to the left of you, or right of you, or somewhere around you. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, again, we went through uh, just a couple of the verses in the beginning of the chapter. And right after... Paul, again, we're, we're used to breaks. We took time off. We went home and did all kind of stuff. But Paul, uh, when he wrote this, just wrote it as one continuous letter. It didn't have the verses and the chapter breaks and all of that information in it. Uh, so when Paul is writing this, uh, he wrote it from Ephesus. Ephesus. Ephesus? Ephesus. From another place. And he wrote it to the congregation and all the Christians in Corinth. In addition to, he says, to all people everywhere who call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So he starts uh, where we're going to pick up where he starts in verse 10. And he says, I appeal to you, brothers. And it's important to understand that word appeal. Um, we read it and we say, I appeal. And we think it says, I'm begging you or I'm asking you. But the Greek word has an embedded understanding of, I'm not just asking you. I'm urging you and I am instructing you. So it's kind of like when you, you know, can remember our parents would say to us, do you really want to do that? And it wasn't, do you really want to do that? It was, don't do that. There was some instruction in there. So when he's saying to them, I appeal to you, yes, I'm asking you, yes, I'm encouraging you, but I'm also instructing and commanding you, uh, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another so that there may be no divisions among you, and that you may be perfectly united in mind and thought. And when he says that all of you agree, again, he's talking to the church in Corinth, but he's also talking to the larger group um, where he says, all those everywhere who call in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, because that's who this is addressed to. And he says, I don't want there to be any divisions among you and that you are perfectly United in mind and thought, and that word mind, that phrase mind and thought, uh, it's not just how we think. Some versions say in mind and in judgment, the way that you come to conclusions or the way that you think about people. Uh, one translation says in mind and purpose. So he's saying, I want you to be single 
minded in the purpose that you have. He says, I want you to all have the same focus, the same thought, the same purpose, to come to the same conclusion and the same judgment. And the reality is this isn't just Paul saying this. This is what Jesus wanted for the church. So stay in uh, 1 Corinthians. I'm going to go back to the book of John. And in chapter 17, when Jesus is having the Last Supper with his disciples, he prays for them. And after he prays for them, he says in verse 20, my prayer is not just for them alone, meaning the disciples, the ones who are with them. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. So Jesus' prayer for the disciples also was that, hey, that we would be one, be united, single-minded purpose, and it was so that people would know that, yeah, God is real. Jesus is real. And where he says, um, I, I want my, uh, sorry, sorry, that all of them may be one just as you are in me and I am in you. Some people say, well, he didn't really mean that. Right, that that's just language he was using. He doesn't expect us to be all the same, but actually he does. Because he told his disciples, and one of them said, hey, show us the Father. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And that's the expectation. If you want to see God in the world, you should be able to look at the Christ followers in the world at work doing stuff. If you want to see you know, the love of Jesus Christ, you should be able to see it in the way that Christ followers love other people. If you want to see, you know, does God still perform miracles, you should be able to see it in the Christ followers using their spiritual gifts in and around the world. They should be able to look at the church and see God. That was the expectation because he went on and he said that I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one, I and them, and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. And here's the whole reason behind that, because then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. And it's one thing if, if you see, you know, megachurches, filled with people, and I was part of a megachurch, loved it. It's another thing, even when you see small churches filled with people, here's the thing, when people really see the church at work, it's when all of those big, small, whatever churches are all coming together, working together as the body of Christ. When they're crossing denominational lines, uh, it's not a Pentecostal thing, it's not a United Methodist thing, it's not a Baptist thing, it's a God thing, where all of God's people come together, regardless of race, regardless of financial status, regardless of political division, just come together and do God's work, and people are like, wow, that really must be God, because, you know, they're, they're crossing political lines, they're crossing racial lines, they're crossing financial lines, but they're doing it all, and they're doing it all in the name of God. So Paul goes on, he says this, my brothers, some from close household, have informed me that there are quarrels or contentions or fight or just arguments among you. And he says, what I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul. Another, I follow Apollos. Another, I follow Cephas, which was Peter. Still another, I follow Christ. And you may not see that today, but we do 
and I'm not bashing denominations, but there are people who say, nope, I only follow the United Methodists. I only follow the Presbyterians. I only follow the Calvary. I only follow the Lutherans. I only follow the Baptists. And that's not the way that God designed the church. God designed the church so that no matter what division there is or what group there is, it's, let me put it this way. It's one thing to say, I'm going to go and I'm going to hang out at Crossroads because they preach this way. It's another thing to say, I'm going to go to this church because it's right across the street from me. That's great. Or I'm going to go here because they have an awesome band. Or I'm going to go here because they play hymns and I like hymns. And there are churches that are filled with thousands and they have pipe organs and play hymns and people love it. That's great. But it's another thing to say that I'm not going to work with a certain group of people because they believe you know, uh, uh, that, that you have to have a presbytery or they believe that you have to use this method or they believe that you have to baptize this way or that way. And, and, and the best example, let me put it like this. Imagine if God says, hey, Floyd, and this is a true story, we're gonna, I'm going to send you to Pittsburgh and you're going to be in a suburban area and... Uh, you know, I want you to help just share and show the love of Christ in that area. And I'm like, great, God, but I can't do this on my own. And he says, I'm going to give you a whole bunch of people in this area who are going to help you do what I called you to do because it's the same thing I called them to do, to show the love to people in this area. Now, it wouldn't make sense if I said, well, all those people, I just refuse to acknowledge them. I'm going to turn my back on them, and I'm going to do it on my own and then complain that, God, I can't do this on my own, right? It wouldn't make sense if a company hired you to do a job and said, here's, the, here's this big job. I'm going to send you some workers to do it because you're like, I can't do this. It's going to take at least three people. And they send other people, and you ignore those other people and say, well, I don't want to work with them, even though they're hired to do the same job as you. And that's what, in essence has happened to the church, where we have said, hey, I'm only going to work with people who look like me, think like me, act like me, um, do the same thing that I want, as opposed to, God, I'm going to work. Anyone you send who's on the same mission that you're sending me on to share and show the love of Christ, that's what I'm going to do. And Paul when he wrote this, uh, would have been really familiar with that because Paul, when he was in Corinth, uh, in Acts chapter 18, stay in 1 Corinthians, we're coming back there in a minute. In Acts chapter 18, uh, this is what says Crispus, the synagogue leader, this is a different synagogue, different leader than Sosthenes, who was with Paul. Crispus, the synagogue leader, and his entire household believed in the Lord. And many of the Corinthians who heard Paul believed and were baptized. So Paul went about doing this work. He's, he's sharing and showing the gospel and, uh, to people, and people were believing, and they were getting baptized. But then this is what it says. One night, the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent, for I am with you. And no one is going to attack and harm you because, and this is God speaking to Paul, I have many people in this city. So Paul stayed in Corinth for a year and a half, teaching them the word of God. And Paul, who had been on, on uh, this is, I think, his second missionary journey, had been on other journeys, who had been beaten, who had been put in prison, who had been you know, robbed, who had been all this kind of stuff. 
And he's probably worried, okay, God, this is a huge city. There's a lot of synagogues, so a lot of the people are opposed to what I'm sharing. And God said, hey, you're not on your own. I've given you two of the biggest assets that any person needs to do what God has called them to do. And those are, first and foremost, uh, himself, right? God gives us his Holy Spirit. But then the second asset that he gives us is another spirit-filled believer. Those are the greatest assets that we could ask for to do what God has called us to do. Now, later, uh, and we talked about this last week, uh, Paul is going to get dragged in front of uh, the magistrate with Sosthenes and a group of Jewish believers. But again, he's going to get let go free because of God's influence. So jump back into uh, 1 Corinthians. Verse 13 says this, Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized into the name of Paul? I am thankful that I did not baptize any of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one can say that you were baptized into my name. And he's saying, hey, the idea that we follow these leaders, it's great. There are great men and women of God who teach the word of God, who instruct people in the word of God, all that stuff. But the idea is we aren't supposed to follow them. We're supposed to be following Jesus Christ. And if we follow Jesus and don't put these men or women on a pedestal, then we're more likely to be able to work with all of the other denominations, people, groups. We won't have the walls of division that separate us. And then drop down to verse 18. He says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Now think about this for a minute. We talked a little bit about this last week. Because some people will look at the message that we share and say, you guys are ridiculous. We're about to, you know, in a week and a half or so, roll into the season of Lent, where we'll start off with people. Uh, many in beliefs will go and put ashes on their head and have prayer services and all of these things. And people who don't understand us will look at us and say, you guys are crazy for doing that. And we'll begin talking about and celebrating and rejoicing in the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And people will look at us and say, you're crazy for doing that. But when they look at us for celebrating that, because all of the denominations that celebrate Easter, we all look and say, we're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We're celebrating one thing. And even though they look at us and say, you're crazy for doing that, they look at us and say, well, it's not just you or you or you. They're literally millions or billions, if you believe the statistics, of people around the globe celebrating that Jesus rose from the dead. That single focus, hmm, maybe that's something that I should look into. Because what what Paul is saying is that God is going to use that power of, of God and use it to do, he says, I destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. So the gospel is already hard enough for people to understand. And when we all come together with a common message, people are like, huh, that's worth thinking about. When we come with a different message and we share the gospel through the lens of, well, it only works if you're Baptist. Or it only works if you speak in tongues. Or it only works uh, if you go to you know, the, the Catholic church and have the 
the, the Father pray for you, or it only works if you do this type of liturgy, then they're like, wait a second, that's a bunch of different messages. That makes no sense. Now, um, I'm going to stop. No, no soapbox, but think about this for a moment. If you go up the street, up 51 uh, to Century 3, there is a, a Wendy's, right? Everyone know where the Wendy's is up there? And less than 100 feet from that is uh, McDonald's. Maybe 150, 250 feet. But it's walking distance. You can walk from one to the other. And I did, because I went in one. The line was too long, so I went and walked over to the other one. Because they both serve burgers, shakes, and fries at Wendy's. At McDonald's, burgers, shakes, and fries. May have a slightly different flavor to them, but they both are serving the exact same thing. Here's the problem that they have. They're both giving you the same thing, but they want it done their way. Is that Burger King? There's no Burger King over there. Yeah, Burger King is like, do it our way. But they, they each are doing it their way. So at Wendy's, they're like, yeah, come get our burgers, because if you go buy their burgers, that money goes to the Wendy's corporate office. They get rich. If you go and buy the McDonald's burgers, that money goes to the McDonald's corporate office. They get rich. Those two don't share their money, right? They don't share it at all. According to each, they each have a totally different thing that they're selling to you, if that makes sense. Even though from our perspective, burger and fries, burger and fries. But they are competitors. They're not on the same team. They're competing for our dollar. If I give my dollar to Wendy's, McDonald's isn't like, yay, good job. They're not happy about it. They want my dollar because they're competitors. Now, here's the problem that we have from a church perspective. In most towns, uh, Jefferson Hills not so much, but yeah, most towns, in a small community, you can go and find, here's a Baptist church, and 100 feet away or across the street, here's a Presbyterian church, and 100 feet away or across the street, here's a Lutheran church. But the reality is they're not supposed to be competitors. We are supposed to be on the same team. We are supposed to be all working for the same God, right? Granted, there are some religions that have a totally different God. We're not talking about that. We're all supposed to be on the same team. Now, to the consumer, the, the consumer, the person who's looking for God, who drives into the neighborhood and says, wow, I think I might want to go to church because everyone's been talking about Lent and Easter and all these people talking about the resurrection, and they stop and they look and they say, there's the Lutheran one, there's the Baptist one, there's the Presbyterian one, there's the United Methodist one, there's the Calvary one, there's the this or that, and they're all right next to each other, lined up like competitors. And to the person who's trying to find God, they don't know which one is the real one because they're all standing outside saying, no, 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 don't go to that one, come to my church. No, 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 don't go to that one, come to my church. And we're giving off the air that, just like Paul said, some follow Apollos, some follow Paul, some follow Peter, some follow Christ. And to the person that doesn't know, it sounds like we all follow different people. And we're all competing with one another. And we're all sending the message that I am different from this church over there when we're not, because we're all serving 
the same God. Okay, sorry, that was way longer than I wanted to do. Drop down to verse 26. Paul says, brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Again, he's talking to Christians. So he's talking about, think about what you were, what your life was like before you became a Christian. He says, not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world, that's you and me, to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world, that's you and me, to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. He says, it is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. He says that, hey, uh, when the world looks at us, um, they're not going to look at our differences. Right? Let me summarize this. They're not going to look at that, hey, uh, you came from this neighborhood. You came from that background. Uh, you had this great college upbringing. That's what saved you. No, uh, you had lots of money. That's what saved you. No. Uh, he said that God chose us not because of how good or powerful or whatever we are. God chose us because we were in need. And then once that need was met through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, he holds us up and says, hey, world, this is what God can do for you. So God takes someone uh, who was an addict and presents the gospel to them. They give their life to Christ, and when they're no longer dealing with addiction, uh, they, that person, doesn't say, hey, look at what I've done. They turn around and say, look at what God has done. They take a person who is dealing with alcohol, and once they're done struggling with alcohol, that person doesn't say, hey, look at what I've done. They say, look at what God has done. God takes a person who uh, um, may have been involved in prostitution, and we have a missionary that we support, that that's, that's what she was involved in. And then she doesn't go out and say, hey, look at what I have done. I've gotten myself free from that. She literally travels the world now and says, look at what God can do. And that's what God does. But that can't happen when we're saying, hey, it's not that God did this. It's that the Baptist denomination did this, or Wesleyan did this, or Calvary did this, or... The Lutherans did this. That's not the focus. That's not the point. Then we're unable and we're kind of, as what Paul says, we're boasting in ourself rather than what God did. And these denominations that, that, that again, not bashing denominations, we're a part of a denomination. Uh, but the reason why you guys don't hear us talking about that much is because we're not here to celebrate and rejoice in our denomination. We're here to celebrate and rejoice in what God has done and his son, Jesus Christ. But when we, when we put our denominations or, as happens in some churches, uh, our politics, nope, we're a Republican church, we're a Democrat church, we're a rich church, we're a poor church, first, that becomes the focus, and then people can't see God because of what we have lifted up. 
And when Paul wrote this, that, that last verse that he shared about boasting, he's actually pulling from the prophet Jeremiah. And Jeremiah, in chapter 9, this is what he says. He says, this is what the Lord says. Let not the wise boast of their wisdom, or the strong boast of their strength, or the rich boast of their riches. Right? In other words, hey, it's not about look at how good I am, look at my denomination, look at my, how wealthy I am. It's not even about because some people do this. Yeah, all we do is reach the poor. That's all we're about. We're about lifting up the poor. That's not what it is about either. It's not about your strength. It's not about your wisdom. It's not about your riches. He says, but let the one who boasts boast about this, that they have the understanding to know me that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. For in these I delight, declares the Lord. Our boast shouldn't be about, hey, here's, here's what our denomination does. Our boast shouldn't be about, hey, here's what our, our you know, our, our, our good, our, how big our church is or how this or that. Our boast should be about, hey, here's what God can do in your life. Here's the impact God can have on your life. Here's, here's the type of thing that God has done in my life, and I pray that he can do that in your life. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to wind down and, and close out. I'm going to ask everyone to stand. And we're going to just close out with a, uh, just a short time of prayer. And we're going to pray, first and foremost, uh, for all the other congregations in our community, in our city, in the city of Pittsburgh and around, that are meeting this morning. Some met last night. Some will meet later on tonight. And pray that they put God first and that people see what God can and has done. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. God, we lift up all of the congregations in Jefferson Hills. We lift up those in the surrounding communities as well, whether it be Elizabeth or Clariton or West Mifflin, uh, whether it be South Park or wherever. We pray that all of those congregations right now are celebrating and rejoicing in and boasting in you, as your word says, boasting in you as a God who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness. We pray that those people that are seeking those things would find them in you, that those who are seeking to know you would experience you this morning, that those that are seeking to know you more would experience you more. And we pray for all of the pastors that are preaching right now, myself included, that, that we would do justice to sharing your word. We pray that all of these people would hear from your Holy Spirit, that all of these people would be gathered and rejoice and celebrating you. And we pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. And everyone said, Amen. 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 Um, thank you, guys. Pray that you have, uh, you know what? I do this all the time. I forgot the offering, so let me do this. Uh, if you're here visiting us, please do not feel obligated to give. Just let this be our gift to you. Uh, for those of you who just regularly call Crossroads your home, just as you feel led, come up here, put your offering in the, in the basket up here. Other than that, God bless. Pray you have an awesome rest of your Sunday, and hopefully see you next week.